I was born again in 1975, August 5th. Shortly after I was born again, I felt strongly that God wanted me to get out of debt and stay out of debt. I saw the passage of Scripture in Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no man anything. I had seen some other scripture that also showed me debt is not the way for the people of God to go. At that time, I owned a small business, American Indian Arts, in Dallas. Shortly after I was born again, I saw these scriptures and felt God was showing me to get out of debt. I didn't know how I could get out of debt. I owed $6,000 to one of my customers who had bought into the business with the provision that she could buy any item that I had at wholesale cost. Later, I saw the scripture which says, Be not unequally yoked to unbelievers. I had absolutely no evidence that Carolyn was a believer. So I was trying to obey this scripture, be not unequally yoked to unbelievers. I had no idea how to go about this. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So I ask God for wisdom concerning getting out of debt, and I ask him to show me what to do and to help me. And this podcast is the story of the way God led me. Prior to the time I was born again, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico for one year and taught junior high orchestra. At that time, I met the secretary to the central office music department, and we became friends, and she lived in the same building that I lived in, and her husband had recently retired from Kirkland Air Force Base and was starting a business in American Indian arts, mostly jewelry. We got out of school about 2.30 in the afternoon and they would go out to the reservations and buy jewelry and I didn't have anything to do, so often I would go with them. At that point, I was strongly introduced to the subject of American Indian arts and jewelry. I don't think many things in the life of a Christian are accidental. I believe the path is set up for us, and we just go through the open doors in so much as that door is a way of righteousness and not sin. In this case, it was going to open a major door for me because I was going to learn the business of American Indian arts. 
which would later support me for the five years that God was going to teach me the Bible to prepare me for the ministry. I moved back to Dallas in 1972 and taught once again at SMU, but I didn't like teaching for the education department, so I quit that job and just sold Indian jewelry. In 1975, I opened my own shop in one of the malls, strip malls, and it was very beautiful and very elegant. And I gained a reputation in Dallas of being honest, and the people knew that they could come to me, and I would not take advantage of them. I would charge a fair price. I did appraisals of Indian arts. And I would go out to the reservations in New Mexico and purchase primarily jewelry. It turned out that I had a natural eye for turquoise, where I could see into a turquoise stone and judge it. During those years that I taught in Albuquerque, my friends would send me with boxes of jewelry to wholesale to the dealers in Santa Fe. So I learned even more about Indian arts. And then often I would go down into Old Town in Albuquerque and check the jewelry and study the prices, view the quality, see what the market really was in the field. So by the time I got back to Dallas, I really knew quite a bit about jewelry. I didn't know anything at all about Navajo rugs, and I knew very little about pottery, but I did know the field of jewelry. So I set my goal at getting out of debt and staying out of debt. I remember cutting back in my personal expenditures, which weren't very much, but I would do what I could to save that money to getting out of debt. I went on a buying trip during that time to New Mexico. I was in Santa Fe at one point visiting with some friends of mine who own an Indian arts business. I saw a Navajo rug, a bright red Navajo rug, which I was intrigued with. Now, I always prayed before going to the reservations, asking God to have the Indian artists make the items for me, and also asking him to guide me to those items that I should purchase and give me wisdom. We did not sell Navajo rugs in my store. My store mostly sold jewelry and some pottery. But this Navajo rug really caught my attention. I just couldn't walk away from it. It cost $500. God had taught me so much about following him, even in secular things. And he taught me to only spend the amount of money that I had cash for. But 
if something was strongly of interest to me, pay attention. And that rug was. So I ended up buying that rug. I took it down to Albuquerque and met a woman at one of the businesses in Old Town, an older woman. She turned out to be one of the leading experts in the United States on Navajo rugs. I had her praise the rug for me. She said, Joan, most of these old rugs are totally worthless, but you've really lucked out with this rug. She said, you're not going to want to sell it when you go back to your business, so price it at a price where it will not sell. But she said, today it is worth at least $1,500. I paid $500 for it. But she said, you need to price this much higher than $1,500 because this is a valuable rug and it will go up in value. When I got back to Dallas, I had the rug at my apartment and it was rolled off and in a corner. A man came into my apartment to look at jewelry and he said, what's that over there? And I said, oh, that's just an old Navajo rug. And he said, well, let me see it. And I said, oh, you wouldn't like that. I don't believe you'd like that. He said, well, let me see it. So I rolled it out on the floor and he said, how much is it? And I said, $5,000. And he said, I'll take it. I was just horrified. I never overpriced any item. I charged a fair market price. I tried to talk him out of buying it, but he wouldn't listen. He was writing out a check for $5,000. And I said, well, here's what I'll do. You take that rug and I will not cash your check for at least one week. If for any reason at all you want to bring that rug back, I'll simply give you your check back. I never saw the man again. I deposited the money for the rug. I added another $1,000 to the money, paid my debt to Carolyn, in full, got out of debt, and from that day forward, I was never in debt again. Today, I'm 85 years old. That was back in 1976. I'm 85 years old today. I hear people struggle with money. The houses they live in, they've mortgaged. They don't know how they're going to live from one paycheck to another. It's such a blessing to be out of debt. I believe God could get you out of debt if you will listen to him and follow him. There was a point several years ago when I knew the time was going to come. People couldn't maintain their own houses and they would have to live with relatives. That's not as bad as it sounds. Sometimes you can have a very good life living with another person if that person is chosen by God. 
That's exactly what I do now. God showed me a few years ago, back when I was about 81, that I would not be able to live alone anymore. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know where I was going to go, but apparently God planted it in my heart where to go. I moved in to the home of a church member in Colorado Springs. She is a true believer, truly loves the Word of God, follows the Word of God, seeks God when she has a problem. She's a true believer in God and follows God like I follow God. She has no debt. She worked at FedEx as a computer programmer and was able to make some money along those years before she retired. Her house is fully paid for. Her car is fully paid for. She has no debt. My car and house were fully paid for, and I had no debt. I put my house up for sale after God told me, you'll never see this house again, when I was in a hospital having broken a hip in a fall in 2018. So I live in the home of this church member. We have the same Spirit of God, and we follow God and believe the Scriptures. And really, it has been wonderful. I've been here almost five years. Here are some Scriptures that stood out to me as I was beginning to try to get out of debt. Romans 13, verse 8. Oh, no man, anything. Deuteronomy 28. And these promises of the Old Testament are often applicable to us today in the New Testament, and this is one of them that applies to us when we will do it. Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if... Thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. The word of God that comes down to us from heaven to show us what to do. Verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he, the Lord, the word, shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord, the word, shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep 
the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways by the word. 1 Timothy chapter 6 gives us several instructions. If we'll look at them, 1 Timothy chapter 6, several instructions concerning money. Start at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich, that will to be rich, that work to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Have you ever taken a job because it paid more money, but you really hated that job? This is an example of falling into a pit. It's sort of like you do harm to everyone around you because you hate that job. I'd always prayed for God to lead me into the type of work that I would enjoy. And I have found God will do that if you don't sell out for money. Reading once again at verse 9. But they that will be rich or want to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness what is right in the sight of God. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves 
a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Return for a second to Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting again at verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. He, the Lord, the Word, shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord, which is the Word, shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways by the word of God. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. Why would they see that? How would they see that? Well, you don't do the same things they do. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. What does this world do? They drive new cars without paying for them, and they owe for their cars. They live in new houses, so many of them in houses that are very big, young people. I'm surprised at the number of young couples that live in our neighborhood. I'm 85 years old. I never even lived in a house with my own washing machine until I was 45. And here are people in their 30s living in these, these houses out here. This was a former golf course where this house is. It's closed now, but the property's still very valuable. Two doors down, a man sold just an average house for half a million dollars. You rarely see a house for sale in this neighborhood. I know the houses are half a million dollars and above. The young people that live out here with young children, it is doubtful that any of them actually own their house, but rather they owe for their house. This is the way of the world. It seems wise because you're not throwing rent away. I never lived that way because God showed me to get out of debt and stay out of debt. And yet, at one point in my life, he allowed me to build two apartments where my mother lived. I had enough money to build the apartments and pay for them. Then I bought a lot 
on the golf course in Clovis, New Mexico, USA. And I could pay for the lot on the golf course. Then, at some point, I had enough money to build a house on the lot and sell the other property. Then I sold that house and built a house in Lubbock. But I never owed for a house. One house paid for the other house. The way of the world is take out a mortgage and spend other people's money. That seems wise to the people of the world. There was a woman that at one point attended our church group. She was a vice president at Braniff Airlines in Dallas. And she told me, she said, I've just never seen anybody live the way you live. She said, in business, we always learned spend the other person's money. Borrow the money and make money and spend the other person's money, but don't spend your own money. And you spend your own money. I said, yes, God showed me to get out of debt and stay out of debt. So I spend my own money or I don't buy it. And she thought that was so peculiar. Within two years, Braniff Airlines declared bankruptcy. And she and all the workers at Braniff were out of a job. It just seems so wise to use other people's money. Plus, you want that item right now, and that's the way you get it is buy now, pay later. In 1960, I moved to Dallas, and there was an article in the Dallas Morning News on a Sunday morning, and it was the strangest article. It talked about plastic money. None of us knew what plastic money were. was. None of us knew. By two or three years after that, I was using plastic money and buying gasoline and even buying groceries. But I paid in full at the end of the month. I never bought anything without knowing I could pay in full at the end of the month. At one point, I bought a new car, and my contractor's son said, Oh, now you're in debt like we are. And I said, No, no, I'm not in debt. I paid in cash for that car in full. Two years prior to that, I had had an accident with my old car. I had it repaired because I did not have the money to buy a new car. I had the car repaired. But I began saving money toward buying a new car at that time. So when I did buy a new car, I had cash that I used to pay for the car. I've never owed for a car in my life or a house. It's a different way of life, living out of debt. Be not conformed to this world and its thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. I saw a scripture in Genesis 14 where the king of Sodom said to Abraham, take the goods and give the people to me. And Abraham said, I've lifted up my hand to God 
that I will not take from a thread to a shoe latchet from you, lest you would say, I have made Abraham rich. And I said to God, that's the way I want to live, like Abraham. I want my provision to come from you. And God has seen that I have been provided for, but I just didn't buy anything unless I could pay for it. Back to Deuteronomy 28, verse 10. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, the word, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord, the word, shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord, the word, shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heavens to give rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend to many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Verse 13, And the Lord, the word, shall make thee the head, and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do them. After I got out of the hospital from a broken bone, I moved to Colorado and used one of the bedrooms in Pam Paget's house. Her house is totally paid for. I insisted on paying her $500 a month for that room to help with expenses. After the house in Texas sold, and it was totally paid for, I put the money in the bank and I began paying Pam $1,000 a month to live on this property. She didn't want to take the money, but I insisted. Later, I tried to raise it to $1,500 a month, and she said, no, no, 1000 a month is enough. I can pay for upkeep of the property with that, help with my taxes, pay all I need. It's all I need. So she refused to take more. But because of living in this house and sharing with Pam and helping with the expenses, I have much more money than I would have had if I had stayed in Texas and had the upkeep of the private house. Several years ago, God told me, the time will come, people will have to move in with each other. But it's not bad if you ask God which people you're to move in with and how to help you, which relatives you're to live with, which friends you're to share a house with. It can be much better than living alone, and you can have much more money.
but you don't do it for the money's sake. You do it because you've heard from God. And at the time I'm recording this, I'm 85 years old. And frankly, I'm delighted not to have a house to have to make the decisions over. There is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens, Ecclesiastes. A time to live, a time to die, a time to gather, and a time to cast away. I have reached a time in my life when I really want less. I got to the point that I wanted to live in one room with all my things around me. I didn't want a big house and things spread everywhere. I'm partially handicapped, and it's so much easier to live with things around you than to have to go to another room and get them. So there is a time for everything. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.